Welcome to Find Myself Free, the podcast. I'm Ellie Young, alcohol-free life coach, mom, and athlete. I'm dedicated to helping others change their relationship to alcohol by sharing my journey of transformation. Fascinated by my own capacity for change after decades of gray area drinking, I'm passionate about sharing what I've learned from neuroscience and positive psychology to help you break free from the drinking cycle and unlock your true potential. Hear my personal stories of triumph and struggle as I navigate raising two boys, finding myself after 40, building a business, and doing it all alcohol-free. From women's health and cycle syncing to fasting and biohacking, this podcast is your roadmap to a healthier, purpose-filled life that starts with changing your relationship to alcohol. It's time to embrace change, find balance, and create the life you were meant for. Welcome to Find Myself Free. What's up, everybody? Thank you to find my thank you for joining Find Myself Free. And we are on day 25 of Sober October. And today I'm going to talk to you about why willpower doesn't work. Um, so I'm a bit of a nerd. I really like understanding the science behind our habits. And um, I didn't know all this when I was actually tackling my first alcohol-free days, but this science I have now since learned, and I want to share it with you because I think it'll help you better navigate these early days and understanding the way our brains work and how you can hack it can really, really give you a leg up on tackling going alcohol-free. And so one of the, there's two topics I'm going to discuss today. And the first is cognitive dissonance and the next is confirmation bias. So cognitive dissonance is essentially when there is a disagreement between what you consciously desire and what your subconscious desires are. So basically there's just a fight between your conscious and your subconscious. So we are saying, hey, I'm going to go change my behavior with alcohol. I'm going to stop drinking. And we just kind of try and jump right into the behavior change without really changing anything else. We keep showing up in the same environments. We don't really change what we think or believe about alcohol. We still think that, gosh, it would be a lot more fun if I could just drink. Gosh, it would. I would relax a lot more if I could have that drink. So as long as you are still harboring these beliefs about alcohol in your subconscious, your conscious effort to try and change that behavior, it's it's going to be this like tug of war in your brain. And eventually, then, and that's when willpower is, is kicking in there. And eventually it fails because the brain fatigues and it wants to default to the most familiar, easy pathway. And that, that is called cognitive dissonance, that discomfort that you feel like, why can't I do this? I've set this goal for myself. I know I want to change. I know I want to make this you know behavior change. But then the subconscious is just working against you. And the subconscious is a lot bigger and stronger than your conscious. So even though we say we, we make these big intentions for ourselves, you have decades, you have a lifetime of subconscious conditioning around alcohol that is calling the shots about your drinking behavior. We have been conditioned to drink in almost every single positive human experience in our life. The alcohol industry, big alcohol, has done an incredible job of marrying booze, 
to any positive human experience. I mean, you name it. It's from baby showers, weddings, basically any celebration, birthdays, right? Sporting events, family functions, um, any type of bonding experience, you know, even, even physical feats, right? I think this is one of the crazier ones is that when we accomplish something like a marathon or a triathlon or these things, you see people, they're handed like a beer and they chug that beer. That's crazy. To, to reward yourself with a poisonous toxin after you've accomplished this massive physical feat, to poison yourself as a celebration is just, it's asinine. It makes no sense. And I used to do this. I um, I used to run half marathons with a group of friends and we would do it up in wine country. It was a Mother's Day half marathon and we would go wine tasting literally hours after the event. And we weren't properly hydrated. We had, we were barely, we could barely even wear com comfortable shoes. We were wearing like those squishy UFOs because our feet were so tired and sore. And then we were pounding wine like Oh my gosh. And not not to mention the entire time I trained for those races, I was drinking regularly. And so I this idea that alcohol should be involved in every instance in our life, that has been conditioned into us. And that is why it is so, so incredibly hard to, to break up with these beliefs that are just we we haven't even shined a light on them in so long because they are just buried buried deep into our subconscious. So that's what one of the tactics to confront your relationship with alcohol is to become aware of these subconscious beliefs that are driving your drinking behavior. We're trying to pull that belief out of our subconscious, look at it and say, is this really true? How does this make me feel and behave when I'm actually, um, you know, thinking this thought and believing this thing? And it's like, okay, well, I, I want to drink in all these different environments when I think that alcohol is going to help me have more fun. And so we want to get that subconscious belief and your conscious desire to stop drinking in alignment so that we no longer have cognitive dissonance. And the way to do that is to pull those subconscious beliefs out, examine them, are they really true? How, how does it make me feel and behave when I'm thinking and believing this thought about alcohol? And then replace it. You have to crack open the door enough on these subconscious beliefs to say, to consider that it might be wrong. To say, oh, maybe I could be wrong about this. Maybe I don't need alcohol to have fun right now. Maybe there's another way. And so once you just start to open the door to a little bit of like questioning of that belief, you leave room for your brain to have a different experience, to have, to cue different emotions, to cue different behaviors. If you show up, and this is where confirmation bias kicks in, here's the next, the next topic, is that if you believe that you're not going to have fun because you're not drinking, your brain is going to self-select information to support that. It's going to ignore everything else. It's going to ignore all these other opportunities for fun. And it's going to only focus on this idea that like you're not drinking, so you're definitely not going to have fun right now. That is confirmation bias. We all know how this works, right? When you when you are trying to prove a point to somebody and you go look it up online and you go, here, here, look, look, I proved it. 
I proved it to you. But if, in fact, you went and looked up the opposite thing, you could, in fact, find a ton of information supporting that as well. So the same thing works inside our brains. If we are constantly telling ourselves, I'm not going to have fun and I'm I'm not going to be able to relax without this alcohol, the brain is going to go there. It's going to look for information to support that and it's going to ignore the rest. But instead, this confirmation bias can work for us and against us. If we say, maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe I don't need alcohol to have fun tonight. Maybe there's something else I can do that can help me relax and help me enjoy myself. Okay, now you've cracked open the door of possibility for your brain. And your brain is now going, huh, what else? Yeah, what else could I do? And so it starts to like look for stuff and go, "Mm, maybe I would enjoy this. Maybe I would enjoy that. And you give yourself an opportunity to reconnect with that self that knew how to have fun, that knew how to enjoy themselves before alcohol took over. It took over all of our entertainment. It took over all of our our relaxation. And now we don't know how to do anything else. And it's really just that we're out of practice. We are out of practice coming up with new ways to, to entertain ourselves and to relax. And so we are trying to pull these subconscious beliefs out of our out of the subconscious and say, is that belief really true about alcohol? Do I really need it to have fun? And and then we replace it. Maybe I don't. Maybe there's something else I can do. And that allows confirmation bias to work in our favor. The brain is now going to look for information to support this idea that, hey, maybe I can have fun without alcohol. Okay. Now, don't get me wrong. Going into these same environments same drinking environments with the same drinking crew and all of the things that cue you to drink, it it's incredibly challenging to put yourself in those situations and expect your brain to hop on the sober train. All right. You are you are basically butting up against this network in your brain that is saying, this is what we do in this environment. Okay, we want to do this thing. So even though you are challenging that belief, I know I can have fun. Um, I think I can have fun without alcohol. But then you go and you put yourself in this incredibly, you know, cueing, triggering environment to drink. That's I don't recommend doing that early, early, early on in your in your alcohol free journey. Um, yes, you need to prove it to yourself, but I don't recommend until you feel really solid on that idea, on that belief that you don't need alcohol to have fun, that you can connect and that you can, you got to challenge it. But don't go into these environments and expect that your willpower is going to kick in and you're going to you're gonna be super, super strong on it. Um, we are training you not to rely on willpower. We are going, we are using neuroplasticity to challenge those beliefs, create a new possibility for yourself, and then allow your brain to look for evidence to support that. So we do baby steps with this. You try it. How can I relax at home on my own instead of cracking open that bottle of wine? What are some things I can do at home? And once you get really, really solid in that, then you can kind of baby step out into these places where basically the environment is drinking. And to be honest, that is everywhere. That is every social situation. That is every function you're going to go to. You are going to be confronted with alcohol. So that's why you really need to lean in to preparing yourself for these type of events and going, huh, what thought is coming up right now when I think about going to this event and I say, oh, 
man, I am definitely not going to have fun because, and it's going to be so awkward if I'm not drinking at this event. Then you catch yourself and you go, oh, look at that. I thought this was going to be more fun without alcohol. Is that really true? And do that little work. It doesn't take long. Just creating that awareness when those thoughts pop up and challenging them going, is it really true? Huh, look at that. I fully believed that I needed alcohol in this event. And then you start to challenge it. What else? What else could I do at this event? And prepare yourself. Come into the event knowing that these thoughts are going to come up, but be prepared to counter them with saying, what else can I do in this environment to, to entertain myself? And guess what? One of the best things I discovered when I started going out alcohol-free is that you, you look around a lot more than you ever did. You pay attention because your senses aren't dulled anymore. You're like, oh, I never noticed how beautiful the artwork is on the walls here. Oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to take a walk. I'm going to go look. Oh, look, there's a really cool patio out here. And you start to pick up on all these details that you've been kind of dulled um, dulled to in the past. You also get to kind of pick and choose who you talk to. Um, I noticed that I ended up listening a lot more. I thought I was hilarious when I back when I was drinking. But now upon reflection, I'm like, man, I think I like talked way too much. I probably sounded really annoying. I was probably louder than I wanted to be. And I think I was always a notch or two above where everybody else was in their drinking. But I was drunk and in my head and thinking, this is great. I'm the, you know, I'm talking to everybody. I'm doing the thing. And and now when I sit back now and I'm, I realize I'm so much more, of, I'm a much better listener. I'm engaged with people. I'm asking more questions. I pause. I let people have space. And it's, I am so much more aware now of like what other people are doing and how people are interacting and how people are responding. And I end up having much better conversations, a much better connection that I actually remember. And it's great. It's awesome. And it does have its a timeline. It does have a much shorter timeline than what it used to. I don't stay at these places for two and a half, three hours. You know, I'm I'm in and out in like an hour, hour and a half. And that is fine. That is okay. We also need to be okay with the change in these environments because it's not gonna be the same. And unfortunately, we don't have any real reference points for what an alcohol-free life looks like as an adult. There's very few reference points on TV or or friends or family. Most of our reference points for anyone who doesn't drink is strictly they're an alcoholic, something really bad happened that coerced them into sobriety and they don't want to be there. They wish with all their hearts of heart that they could be drinking again and that they hadn't lost their drinking privilege. That's That's not what this is. This is less a conversation these days about addiction than it is about wellness and about pursuing wellness and exploring your life that has been kind of under the booze goggles for so long, for decades, every single social event, and coming out from under that and going, how else can I you know, participate in this without being under the influence of a neurotoxin? And like, when you wake up, you're like, oh my gosh, there is so much more world and things to explore here. There's so much more experience to be had in these kind of everyday, everyday outings. You're like, wow, this, I have, they say alcohol, it kind of like homogenizes your experience. 
whether you're drinking at the beach, whether you're drinking at the wedding, whether you're drinking at a friend's birthday, being drunk feels the same no matter where you're at. It limits your capacities. It starts to shrink your experience because you are dulling your brain. You are dulling your prefrontal cortex. And instead of these experiences being really unique and you being able, able to take in all of the beauty and all of the, the unique you know, parts of this experience, you're dulling yourself and you're just getting drunker. And that when I look back on all the vacations I have been on and all the different parties I've gone to and that, you know, the pursuit was always like, I'm here and now let's start drinking. This is how I'm going to enhance what this event that I've already been looking forward to. But now I'm just going to homogenize it with this, with this substance that is going to limit my capacity and limit my experience. And that's not really living. And I'm so glad I woke up when I did. I really wish I would have done it sooner. I was turning 40 when I gave up alcohol and I couldn't picture the next decade of my life looking the same. I was like, am I going to continue to show up and be like every weekend, this is what we do. We do these things. We go to the beach and we drink and we go to these friends' houses and we drink and our kids are, you know, getting older and watching us and asking questions. And we're just like, yep, grooming them, unintentionally grooming them to be drinkers that at some point, you know, when they're of age and not even of age, they're going to do this adult behavior too. And they're going to learn to, you know, have the acquired taste, which is something I'll talk about in another episode. <laughs> so this is something that I really, really want you to pay attention to understanding the science of how our brains work, cognitive dissonance, why you feel that tug of war between your conscious desire to make a change with your drinking and your subconscious beliefs that are like pulling you back saying, nope, nope, come on, keep drinking. You know, you need it for this. You need it for that. Pulling you back. You know, once we start to say, okay, then that's where the work needs to be done. It needs to be done on those subconscious beliefs, those subconscious thoughts. How can you change them? How can you rewire them, replace them, and then test them out? Go out there and create the possibility with confirmation bias and say, hey, I believe there is an opportunity for me to enjoy myself and to relax and to connect and to have fun without alcohol. Just saying it out loud, jotting it down, create that little possibility in your brain, and then your brain will start to look for it. Say, yeah, maybe we can do it. How are we going to do it? What are we going to do? And allow that creativity, start listening to that intuition again. Your intuition has been muffled by alcohol. It is time to listen again and to reconnect with that person that has desires, that has passions, that has interests and say, what does this person want to do? How does this person want to live their life? You know, what are you into? When's the last time you really asked yourself, like, what are you really into other than like showing up in drinking places? Like, wow, is that really all I did for like the last 20 years of all my entertainment? I like showed up places and I would drink. Yes, I was with friends. Sometimes I was with my family and my kids, but that's what we did. And I didn't want to do that anymore. I want to do something else. I want to wake up my brain and live in that place inside myself that is like, what else is there? What else is there for me? So this is a really, really exciting place. If you are in that uncomfortable place where you're like, 
I know I want to change, but something is fighting me. Take a look at those beliefs that are holding you back. All right. If you haven't already, check out. Um, I have a free masterclass on the top three beliefs keeping you stuck in the drinking cycle. Go to my website, findmyselffree.com, and you can sign up and I'll send it to you absolutely free. Um, this is a, your kickstart to breaking down those beliefs that have you stuck. And you can change. This is how you change. It is not about willpower. It is not about willing yourself a certain number of days to not drink. It is fundamentally changing what you think and believe about alcohol and creating a new possibility for yourself so that confirmation bias can work in your favor so that your brain can go out and say, hey, I want to I wanna see if this is true. Can I enjoy myself alcohol-free? And the answer is yes, absolutely 100% yes. My question is, what are you going to do? I can't wait to hear from you who are just finishing up your Sober Octobers. We're on day 25. I can't wait to hear how much you have changed. I've heard from a couple of clients that have said, this is profound. This is profound change. They've been feeling all the things because they are waking up their bodies and brains to, to living again. And remember, when you are numbing the pain and the anxiety and the stress in your life, and you think you're just drinking alcohol to have fun, you're also numbing your joy. You're numbing your capacity to experience joy. And this is one of the best parts of going alcohol-free is waking that up again and going, wow, there's so much life I want to live. Waking up your ambitions, listening to that intuition. So I am with you day 25, and I hope to hear from you guys soon. I will see you all next week. Thank you for being here. Take care. Hey team, you've just listened to an episode of Find Myself Free. And if some part of this left you wanting more, if your curiosity has been piqued and your intuition is telling you, I'm ready for more, I'm ready to look at my relationship to alcohol, and find out just how much it's holding me back, then check out my coaching offers at findmyselffree.com. For those ready to kickstart a change privately on their own time, I offer the Brave Course, a seven-day program to shift your mindset around alcohol and connect with your future self. This is chock full of all the information that was key to my transformation. If you're looking for additional support, I also offer one-on-one coaching. I worked with a coach for four months at the start of my alcohol-free journey, and it made all the difference. Being able to talk to someone who knew what I was going through and could help me navigate my new world gave me a foundation of support I could build on, and it's a big reason why I'm a coach today. I want to help others find their freedom and level up their health. If this sounds good to you, then connect with me at findmyselffree.com. Listen to that intuition that was telling you you are meant for more. I'm with you. You got this.